sit down and buckle up. It's time for the Pirate Monk Podcast. Welcome to another episode of the Pirate Monk Podcast. Uh, hey, Aaron, here we are recording on the weekend after Thanksgiving 2020. And, uh, and we your fire of a year, and huh? we can talk about the weather because it snowed today. How <laughs> how fun was that? <laughs> hey, for the California boy, is that the first Tennessee snow you've seen? No, come on, I'm coming up on two years. I've had blizzards. Well, <laughs> <laughs> like it it didn't actually stick on the ground, even though it snowed all day. Oh, uh, we got some accumulation here. You a did. Nice. Yeah, enough. I'm sure they'll cancel school tomorrow because I'm pretty sure the town does not own a snowplow. <laughs> it's just, wait, it, it, it snowed enough that you need a plow in Franklin? 30 minutes no, away no, from no. it? Okay. <laughs> just checking. Yeah, yeah. We'll see. But it, the, uh, the school was closed. Just the threat of snow was enough to close school in eight or ten counties in middle tennessee today oh see that makes sense just the threat of a math test kept me from going to school for years <laughs> yeah, very similar yeah. so yeah. i i have bird feeders like to the left of me is a window and i have uh-huh. a bunch of bird feeders out here and the birds come and hang around and i've been getting these these are the red ones cardinals or are they some yeah color? sure okay. yeah uh-huh yeah so i i've never had cardinals in my life so they come and hang out until I try to take a picture, and they are so sneaky. I've never <laughs> got a picture of any of them. But today, I had three of them like staggered on different bush branches with the oh, white wow. coming, and just oh. the red with the white. Oh my gosh! It needed to be a picture. I tried to Did take you get it. it. No, I failed. I took the camera out, and the second I take it out, they all fly away. Oh wow! They don't want wow. their little bird souls stolen. Now, I have not pictured you as a bird feeder guy. Is that Jenny or is that you? Who's oh, all about uh, the bird feeder? Hell yes, it's Jenny. But it is a nice <laughs> distraction when I'm sitting sure. here writing and then like, ah, oh, such colorful birds. I like yeah. California birds are really quite bland, at least on the Central Coast. A lot of browns, uh-huh. very muted tones. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. it's it's yeah. pretty awesome to have red and blue birds and and today I had one that had kind of a green camo chest with red and black wings, a red mohawk, and an orange beak. I don't know what in the hell that was, but I did get a picture of him. He he thought he was much more camouflaged. Uh, so, not like the Cardinals. They know they can't hide. They got to be clever. Well, speaking of distractions from work, uh, I don't have bird feeders to distract me. And I actually keep the shutters closed in my windows. I work in what is essentially a windowless room. Uh, But I do carry a window in my pocket, this little thing called the iPhone. And, you know, I have never been a guy to do games on the phone. Allie does a lot of games on the phone. My grandkids do games on the phone. And Allie introduced me a, a, a couple of months ago to this little game called, I think it's called Sword It?, so it's uh, it's a bunch of different colored balls that when the, the when the screen opens, uh, there are these uh, they look like glass cylinders with uh, that each cylinder can hold four balls, and there's a bunch of cylinders on the screen, and all of them are filled or most of them are filled with different colored balls, 
then you got to move the balls around until you have all one color in each tube. Um, so, you know, it's challenging, but it's not super challenging. It's something that you can accomplish. It's, it's uh, almost I, as challenging as not making 12-year-old juvenile jokes about different colored balls being moved around. And, <laughs> so anyway, go on. So it's challenging, but you it's can... It's challenging, but, but you can... You can you can do it. So, and I try to do it uh, with as few moves as possible. I try to do it as simply, you know, as I can. Try to do it as quickly as I can. Well, it amazes me how you know, you know, when the young guys used to. When I first heard about uh, video game addiction, it didn't make sense to me. I couldn't understand how somebody would just let their real life pass them by. They'd sacrifice relationships, they'd sacrifice career, they'd sacrifice education, and just burn thousands of hours in front of a screen. Made no sense to me. I mean, it should. I've spent thousands of hours, burned thousands of hours in front of a screen. It's just, (laughs) it was a different, I was doing a different thing. But um, now I, I, get it because i get this with every time i finish one and when you finish it there's this burst of it's got like fireworks across the screen you know and this little congratulations i get this sense of accomplishment i have i have brought order out of chaos i have exerted some control over something that was chaotic i have succeeded uh so there is kind of a cycle of completion with a little bit of celebration, and that apparently gives my brain something it really likes because once I start doing that, I have a hard time quitting. And I find that during the course of the day when I'm working, when I hit a really tough spot, you know, a sentence I just can't straighten out or, or you know, a report that's just a mess and it's going to take some work and I come up against you know, I hit the steep part of the hill and it's going to require a lot of effort to overcome this frustration or obstacle. Um, that phone just calls my name and I want to take a little bit of break and go and just play a couple rounds of sort it. Um, I'm finding I'm spending way. I've already p- played. It keeps a, a count of how many games you've played. Oh, that's embarrassing. Okay, I'm at level 661. It's crazy. Um, but I'm starting to under... I, I, I now have much greater sympathy, I think, with a guy who, once he begins to master a video game and he is a success at it, uh, and there is this real sense of you know, victory, accomplishment, mastery, there is, you know, positive reinforcement. Um, When other parts of life get difficult, I can see, uh, you know, my younger self, given the opportunity, I think I have all the makings of a video game addict. So you are, you you are only touching on one part of the equation, uh, which is the kind of game uh, it's it's not like the '80s, and yeah, mostly '80s games. Um, uh-huh. But it's you know a simple game that has patterns. You get pattern recognition. You you work it out. 
Right. But there's a whole other thing. Did, I must have told you, my the first 12-step group I led was for a group of guys when the game World of Warcraft came out. Mm. Uh, I think there were like eight guys whose wives were going to divorce them because wow. of how much they were playing World of Warcraft, which is more of a role-playing game where you enter mm-hmm. into a character. I see. Now, I know, I'm trying to think of the first time I did this. We would go on vacation, and if I had been working really hard, uh, I would have my laptop, and Jenny and I would go out. I would get some game that was kind of a bigger game, and just in between times, I would play that because I could shut my brain, not shut my brain off, I could engage my brain in that, where I couldn't just come to a full stop. And it was just much easier. And then we'd go, take a walk, hang out, all of that. But in those in-between times, it was just so nice to have something to engage my brain. Plus, I grew up playing role-playing games, like the paper kind. We would make up our own. And I loved having this other world, this other character that I could develop. So this was like the 10, 11, 12, 13-year-old me. So when my kids started bringing home games, um, I mean, the most recent, my son got a game called Red Dead Redemption 2. It's a cowboy game. Holy crap. It was the most immersive, like, huge world of (laughs) cowboy-ry. Okay, uh just making words up at this point. But it was, it had such an interesting story. And so... I don't love those types of games you're talking about, but once I get started with one of the kids' like story games, mm-hmm. man, this is going to take me like a month where yeah. I'm like, I don't have time to do this in the middle of the workday, so I'll stay up late or I'll get up early. Yeah. And it's yeah. just, and, and I think here's the thing for me, it is such a relief from doing yeah. real life. Yeah, yeah. Which again, yeah. I don't know that I'm fully judging it as bad. It's yeah. kind of a nice break, and I'll do like one game, and then six months later, they'll bring home another game. So yeah, it's, it's yeah. not a constant thing. But man, that is where, like, if if I didn't have so many other things I had to do, I could sit around and do those kinds of things uh, because it's such a relief from real yeah. life. And you said it, it's when you get hit with roadblocks, that you're like, oh, let me escape and play with my balls. Well, <laughs> all right. Yeah, maybe that's, maybe that's low hanging just, fruit. Oh man, it's just, it's just, just a continuation going. of a pattern. <laughs> no, I remember seeing this. It's you know we can always see it more clearly than in other people. I remember sitting in a meeting after the meeting with a guy who you know had talked in the meeting about how his life is just in the crapper, you know, and this business is about bankrupt and you know, and his wife's about to toss him out of the house, and he's going. He says but I'm building a city. Mm-hmm. And he says, Oh, by the way, I, I, and he takes a break from our conversation because he has to go to his phone and take delivery on a shipment of iron ore or something. And, and then he had to do, <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah, I'm laughing, you know? but I totally get what you're saying. You're yeah. saying, yeah. Uh, all the different ways, man, the, uh, the, 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 there is so much quicksand around. There really is. And so many ways to get stuck. And all the more, uh, I think it makes it all the more essential that we have to be 
talking out loud with other people about this stuff so that we don't get pulled away, uh, you know, into complete isolation and wind up, you know, well, losing I, a big part of our lives and forfeiting possibility. And it, uh, it poses really hard parenting questions. I know for yeah. one of my kids who uh, – something like Facebook could be such a nice connection for them yeah. with people back home. And so just today I was thinking, okay, do I set this up for them? And then I just think about that quicksand that it can be the, Oh good. I can avoid relationships here because I can have these, I can check in all day on them yeah, and, and we've already had enough studies on that kind of social media that it causes depression and, you know, and oh, I, yeah, I just yeah. thought, okay, no, if I can, it's not being asked for, so I'm not going to offer it. Uh, yeah. But, you know, obviously at some point you have to teach children how to deal with it responsibly, but I don't know many adults who deal with it responsibly. Yeah, so exactly. it's, it, there is a lot of quicksand and we're going to be talking about the diversity of the quicksand today. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it, we're going to do kind of a live uh, letters from listeners. Uh, we're actually going to bring a listener on uh, to talk about his reaction to a prior episode. So uh, uh, do, do you want to – I do not want you to make any commitments on the show. I always hate when you do that. But do you, yeah. do you have anything you want to say about your balls? <laughs> Are you going to wean it? Wean I'm like, I'm gonna, with them? Am I, do I need help? Uh, yeah, I need help from my <laughs> no. brothers to help me stop playing with my balls. Is well, that what you're saying? Uh, now it's, it's just that much worse. Yeah, uh, I know. It's when terrible. you when you got to ask your brothers, <laughs> never mind. All right. <laughs> uh, uh, just we'll be right back on the Pirate Bunk podcast. Quick, get out. Well, welcome back to the Pirate Monk Podcast. Aaron, uh, a few episodes back, uh, you and I had a conversation about a book that I had read and that you had read at my recommendation, the Alan Carr's uh, book. Uh, oh, shoot. What's the title again? <laughs> I don't know how to quit drinking easy or something like that. Yeah, yeah, uh, that's right. You know. Oh, yeah. Stop drinking, the, uh, st- stop drinking the easy way. All right. All right. All right. And, and we talked about kind of alternatives to 12-step recovery because Alan Carr, while he did dedicate his book to AA, was sharply critical of one of, of AA's really kind of base assumption, which is that alcoholism, uh, you know, that, that there's, there is, uh, there's no cure, there's an effective treatment, but there's no cure, and he purports to have a cure. Um, and I reported in that episode that I'd had real high hopes for the easy way and actually had, uh, had stopped drinking. I'd become concerned about my drinking. turns out I have, 
I have a couple of backup addictions that I can go to. Uh, you know, so I'm sexually sober, but when life gets difficult and I don't feel like handling life on life's terms, uh, there are other places I can go. And for me, it has been alcohol. So I read the book, stopped drinking for a couple of months, called myself a non-drinker, felt great about it. And then for reasons I still don't quite understand, uh, went back, uh, and started, uh, you know, medicating, relaxing in the evening again with those damn beers in a way that I swore I wouldn't. Uh, you suggested that perhaps maybe I needed to read the book again. You had, you had some critique about the book. But uh, we kind of we invite at the end of that conversation, we said, hey, we'd love to hear from listeners. Uh, what's your take on this conversation? Um, and uh, we heard from a few. And there's one guy that I just uh, I really wanted to talk to more at length. And so I asked him to come on the show and just talk about um, his reaction to that episode. And Brian Fulstrup has agreed to do it. He's joining us from the wilds of Kansas. Hi, Brian. Hi, how are you? Good. Uh, yeah, thanks for thanks for coming on the show and just kind of sharing your heart about this thing. Can you give us a little bit of the backstory? You've been you've been hanging around Samson a while. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I know you're familiar with Samson. I don't know the depth of your, your involvement, but, but, uh, you have found, you know, AA has turned out to be just a life raft for you. And so I wonder if you could just give us a little background on your story and then how the episode hit you and how you're thinking about a whole issue today. Sure. Yeah. Um, let's say a little bit of my background is first of all, I'm, 46 years old, and uh, as near as I can recall, um, I've struggled with problems with alcohol uh, nearly 32 years. Mm -hmm. um, and, and like, say, early on, you know, in high school and, and uh, stuff like that, it was pretty pretty innocent, you know? I mean, it would start out where just kind of hanging out with the buddies and uh sneaking a six pack here or there, you know, splitting it between yeah. four of us and whatnot, you know, and, and what, what happened though is, you know, growing up in a Christian home, um, knowing the wrong from right, every time I drank, I knew I was doing wrong, you know, mm -hmm. um, I just, this feeling of guilt come over me, but the, the ease and comfort that I got from drinking outweighed the guilt. You know, I mean, it was just, I, I could, I could breathe, you know, I, I, I felt right in my own skin, all the problems would go away. So as I grew into, uh, early adulthood, um, you know, alcohol, just the, my use of alcohol got, um, harder, faster, you know, it just, everything was just you know, the parties, the, it just, everything was magnitude, you know, and I was finding, I finally felt like I fit in, you know, it's just, these weren't people that I was, uh, taught or raised to hang out with, you know, I, I had this, you know, the, this is kind of a rough crowd, but mm -hmm. they're accepting me and I'm finding acceptance and boy, I just, it just zero to a hundred 
And I just wanted to hold on at hundred miles an hour as long and as, and as fast as I could. So, but what, you know, a little bit of my story, most of my story is alcohol, but it, it morphed into drug use. Uh, and that mm-hmm. was kind of spotty and sketchy, you know, but I, I definitely had my issues with it. Um, now through this whole period, um, I'm starting a family, get married, you know, and I want to take my kids back to church. Um, so doing the whole church thing, you know, I, I've become a Sunday school teacher. I was a trustee at the church. I, you know, I was, boy, I was jumping into it, but I'd go home, so to speak, lock myself in the closet and just get drunker than a skunk. And, mm. you know, it was just this Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde type thing, you know, one guy at home, I complete, I, you know, I, the, the big book of AA, kind of describes an alcoholic as a tornado roaring through the lives of the ones that he loves. And that's what I was at home. Um, so, you know, it just, I was just kind of hanging out in that mode for years and years and years, you know, the, the, the fighting and the everything at home uh, was just a mess. You know, God bless my wife. She was holding on. She was going to make it work no matter what. And uh, so really, you know, in about 2015, I'd quit drinking altogether. I'm a, I white knuckled it, and I was going to do this on my own, and I was going to get a closer relationship with God, um, throw myself back into the church. And coincidentally, at that point in time, I actually rolled in enrolled in a um, uh, online class to get get a uh, minister's license, and that was the direction I was going to go. And and, uh, but I was dealing with a lot of severe back pain and I went to a doctor and I got prescribed pain pills. And, uh, so in 2015, when those, that script of pain pills landed in my hands, um, I replaced one addiction with another. Um, mm. I, it took me to some places where I never thought I'd go. I mean, it's not like I was running around uh, beating on the doors of drug dealers. You know, I was getting them legitimately from the doctor. But, you know, a, a bottle of 120 pills is supposed to last you three days, not eight. And, mm-hmm. you know, so it was so then I was having, you know, it was very dark period of my my life. Well, the wheels fell off and um my my uh, wife got a hold of my parents, and they kind of rounded me up, and uh, they gave me the um, option to go to uh, treatment or try to get through this on my own. And I says I can do it on my own, and and I got off that stuff. You know, as I know exactly what it feels like to be a heroin junkie. You know, coming off of that stuff because it is rough, and uh, I got through it, and uh, I didn't go back to alcohol. You know, I stayed clean and sober for about a year and then uh, uh, tragedy struck and and our house caught on fire, lost everything we owned. And, um, you know, that was that was truly the start of what was eventually going to try to kill me. Um, It took me into bankruptcy. Um, you know, just so many things in my life, I was, I wasn't able to manage, you know, that my internal condition inside was just a wreck. You know, I was spiritually a wreck and I started drinking and drinking and drinking 
to the point of blackout almost on a daily basis. Um, but then I was adding anxiety medication on top of it. Um, so which leads me into the night before, um, well, August 5th of 2019 is my sobriety date. And the night before, um, well, really that previous day, um, before going to treatment, I had drank a half gallon of vodka. I don't know how, but I did. And I, I swallowed 24 Xanax pills on top of it. And like I was telling you earlier, um, the, I really, you know, I was blacked out through most of it. I can put together pieces of it. Um, but the tragedy of it was, is I was cooking pork chops for the family on the barbecue grill, fell off the deck, hit my head on the concrete. My 16 year old son drug me into the front room, laid me on the couch and they, they had a family meeting, you know, what we do with dad and, and, uh, they just decided to leave me there. And throughout the night, my wife heard me gasping for air, you know, uh, just the combination of the two different chemicals in my body, uh, I was shutting down. And that's when God, or, uh, excuse me, my wife prayed to God. She says, I am not going to get up and do anything. I'm not going to call an ambulance. I'm not going to do anything other than if you want Brian to live, I'll deal with it. But if you decide to let him die through this process, I'm fine with that because I need my pain to go away. Mm. So the next morning, uh, by the grace of God, I woke up and uh, I was off to treatment. Um, that was my only option at that point. Um, so I got through that. And as I left the treatment, you know, and went back out to the real world, you know, they recommended that I had a uh, AA meeting that first night and I didn't, I waited about a week, a little over a week. And my family, um, roped me back in and says, dad, you're going to have to go to your meetings. Otherwise you're going to have to find a new place to live. So I got the courage to walk down the stairs of this basement of a church here in town and, and, uh, hit my first AA meeting. And uh, I was off and running. Boy, I was hearing the message, and I had had one sponsor. Uh, wasn't really uh, getting what I wanted with him, so I moved on to another, another sponsor. And that that gentleman right there has saved my life. You know, uh, the message that he's presented to me um, is, like I say, he saved my life. Um, so this wow. this points back to a really important thing, and you can tell me how this struck you as we were talking about the Alan Carr book, that 12 steps is exactly the right thing for many people at certain points in their recovery process and for some for the rest of their life, like that you had to get into that kind of structure, that kind of rigidity. So listening to the podcast on the Alan Carr book, tell me what you were feeling. When I was hearing that, I was like, well, you know, if it was as easy as just kind of <laughs> thinking, through the, thinking through the drink, you know, yeah. I, I was hearing this message of think through it. 
Um, alcohol is yeah. not good for you. Slowly start weaning yourself off um, and you'll get there. You know, it, it's all in your head. Um, that just kind of, that's for me, all those years that I put myself through that. Um, if, if it was as simple as just, you know, you don't know how many times I was on my knees praying to God to take this away from me. And he heard my prayers, but he didn't take it away. You know, yeah. I, I had thought through that stuff and it just, it didn't work for me. Nate, I know you have something to say to that because those are <laughs> almost exactly your words. Yeah, sure. Oh gosh. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I, I'm a smart guy. I like to think I'm a smart guy and I certainly have tried my darndest to outthink my addiction. And, uh, that, that hasn't worked. That hasn't worked. I, I came to understand that for me, when it came to, when it comes to, uh, porn, you know, uh, you know, compulsive sexual behavior, I cannot beat that addiction on my own. And I'm totally reliant upon brothers. Uh, and I've got to, you know, and I need to ask for help. I need, you know, I need daily help. And it helps me to be a help to others, which is one of the reasons why I'm as active as I am in recovery. I'm, I'm helping others because it helps me. Uh, I, I put, uh, you know, so so for me, it was very appealing to think that, you know, my powerlessness is limited to that particular brand of medication. But there are other medications, all other medications I can handle on my own. And uh, that's that's why I found the Alan Carr approach so appealing. And I you know what? Here's here's the thing. What I've heard is there are some people for whom that works. And I'll tell you, it seemed to work for me for a couple of months. Uh, but, uh, you know, I've decided I got to bring this crazy behavior as well as my other crazy behavior into the rooms and ask for help and, uh, you know, submit to the brotherhood and don't try to solve this one on my own either. So let me throw something out to both of you guys and have you both respond to it. Okay. Uh, so my issue with the Alan Carr book is similar to my frustration with 12-step recovery, which is that both of them are presented strongly as the way that everybody is going to find hope and healing. And well, in, well go ahead. What were you going to say? Yeah. Actually, the 12-step literature never claims that. It's the 12-step adherence. It's the people whose lives have been saved who say, everybody should do this. This is the answer for everybody. All right. The, the literature never I, claims that. I, I, it might not claim it, but the language is pretty strong. But I, I guess you're right. I mean, it comes down yeah. to the, if you don't say these words, then you aren't actually in recovery. Right. You're still in denial. Those kinds of things, which, yeah. Sure, right. It comes yeah. from adherence. Gotcha. But... Yeah. They are, they're both framed in a way that I have w walked with a lot of people and even in my own life figuring out like, okay, how do, how do these different issues, whether it's uh, porn or alcohol or anything else, what, how, how is this working for me? How is this fitting into my life? 
Mm-hmm. Um, but especially when I walk through with other people, there are certain folks that really the vocabulary of either of those can become a stumbling block. Yeah. So I, I think what I want to throw out to you guys is can we look at all of these resources for recovery and healing as, okay, who are we dealing with? What are they needing? And yes, grab a hold of this and go for it full bore. You can't go halfway, which Brian, I think part of it is if you hear, if you had heard, oh, there's this other option. I don't have to go hardcore with this recovery, which I really need. Oh, good. Here's an option that's easier. That would have been a major problem for you. Yeah. Yeah. So, so how, how do we navigate this where there are different tools and maybe it's not helpful for any tool to be claiming it's the way? I don't know. I don't have an answer. Throwing it out to you. Both of you can fix it. Go. <laughs> what are your thoughts, Brian? Well, my thought would be, um, I'll, I'll use a good example here. My, my, uh, I come from a long line of, uh, 12 steppers, uh, Al- rooms of Alcoholics Anonymous uh, held my grandpa and my father. Um, both of those guys went to AA for oh five six years. Um, really enjoyed the fellowship that was in the rooms of AA. Um, it helped them tremendously by working the twelve steps. But you know, like my father, for an example, he really um, founded a deep spiritual faith and connection to God. And, you know, once I believe, um, you know, Alcoholics Anonymous in the 12 steps period, whether whatever anonymous group you're in really punches home that spiritual solution. Um, so much of the book, the, uh, big book of AA, um, talks about spiritual solutions. So, is is a guy or a, a gal that is looking for recovery in, say, drugs or alcohol or uh, sex addiction, things like that, you know, do they have to do it through a 12-step program? Um, absolutely not. But I truly believe that they have to have that, what the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous calls a spiritual awakening and it's just when when you can get to the point where all your your internal condition that spiritual malady that spiritual disease is for lack of better words healed or back on the right track you know you're getting that connection with god um once you get to that point and you can start dealing with all the external daily stuff that happens um that mental obsession to want to go medicate with alcohol or drugs or porn uh is is lifted you know um they 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 call it you are recovered at that point um contingent on working on your spiritual program yeah 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 the maintenance of your spiritual condition uh I don't know if that answered. Yeah. Well, give me, give me some more, Nate. I, it did. It was great. Now I do agree 
first of all, that there are, uh, because people are unique, because stories are unique, because our wounding is unique, our healing is also unique. And I don't think there's a one size fits all treatment approach that's going to deal with all of our woundedness and bring all of us to wholeness. I do agree with Brian that we all are in need of a spiritual awakening. And uh, I agree that the quality of my recovery, my ongoing sobriety, life, uh, the quality of my life is dependent upon the maintenance of my spiritual condition. Uh, In the the end, we have to get an escape from moralism. In the end, it's not about drinking. And it's not about porn. It's not about any of that stuff. It's about loving God and loving others. It's about taking our place within the created order and doing so with gratitude and joy and taking the actions of love toward those around us. Learning how to do that, learning how to give love and receive love, help and ask for help, uh, you know, how to be a man among men. I'm grateful. You know, I got set, you know, I was introduced to recovery in, in, in the 12-step 12, 12 rooms and have done my best to kind of bring the spirit of that, although, you know, not all the language and not all the structure, but the spirit of 12-step recovery into Samson. Uh, at the same time, I don't want ever want to claim that, uh, you know, we have the way. And, uh, you know, I think the best we can say is we have found a way. Um, these are the, or, or as they say in the 12 step literatures, the, the, these are the steps that we took that are recommended. Um, yeah. Well, Brian, I'm grateful that you, you know, you reacted as quickly, uh, and as, uh, strongly as you did. And, uh, you know, one of the things I really learned in recovery is one thing that my sponsor drilled into me was, to uh, once again to borrow the phraseology from the twelve step rooms, we've got to be willing to go to any length to stay right. sober. And if that even means that we're gonna we're gonna stop listening to a podcast because it is introducing uh, uh, suggestions and 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 concepts that are threatening to our recovery, then we got to do it. If, if it means we have to walk away from established friendships or you know, change churches or fellowships. If it means I've got to let a sponsor go and find another sponsor, uh, whatever I've got to do, I've got to be willing to go to any length for my own recovery. And what I heard from you, Brian, is, man, it, uh, as much as you love and appreciate Samson and you've enjoyed the podcast all these years, you're willing to go to any length to protect your sobriety because it's you understand it's a matter of life and death. I have that right? Yes. Oh, yes, definitely. Yeah. All right. Well, this has been, this has been a good conversation. Thanks so much, man, for, uh, for coming on the podcast. Uh, let's stay in touch, stay in the loop. And listeners, stay with us. We'll be back in a moment on the Pirate Monk Podcast. Welcome back to the Pirate Monk Podcast. All right, some important stuff here. 
I don't want to miss that the main thing was how cool that Brian hears an episode, takes seriously, this is not helpful to me, and enters into the discussion. That's huge and admirable and super important for everybody. Man, wouldn't it be awful if everybody just believed everything that you said? It would be awful, yes. Uh, yeah. So, but it, it still brings up some really important stuff that I think we touched on on that episode, but I still think there is a fluidity to this whole conversation that there mm-hmm. is not an answer, which includes things. And this is a conversation that's come up with so many guys. Some guys have been in meetings for 30 years and they still need to be in meetings. Other guys, after five years are going, okay, do I need to keep doing the structured meeting? I feel like I can do life at this level of honesty without needing a meeting. I want to do it in just relationships. Right. And I don't think either of those can be an answer for everybody. And again, it's really dangerous if anybody says, okay, you got to have four years of meetings and then you can wean off to once a month and I think this whole recovery conversation gets so dangerous when we don't seek to know the man who is looking for healing and connection to God and others. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So how do I we, do agree? How do, do agree. how do we give permission and and engage that honestly and not let that be an excuse? That's the big danger, right? Yeah, yeah. I think, frankly, that I am not always the guy best equipped to make that call for myself. It's better for me. I get an objective view of other people's lives and I'm, if, if they let me in. Um, and when they ask my input about, do you, th- do you think I still need to be going to, you know, a daily meeting or, you know, is can I cut back, whatever? I think that perhaps if I'm a if I'm a close friend and they're letting me in and I'm a and I'm attuned, I can give them not not instructions, but I can give them some helpful feedback. It's like helping a guy parallel park, you know. Um, there is a part of me because I have this in this proud and independent streak. I want to accept. I, I hate to accept help. I hate to ask for help. I want to be independent as quickly as possible. And so it, I, I think my personal tendency, my bias has been to want to cut myself loose too soon to try to do it. You know, you know what I'm saying? You hear what yeah, I'm saying? I d- to get away from the structure. I, I think you are hitting on a really important point. And Brian touched on it with the, okay, this book is called the you know easy way to quit drinking or whatever it's called. Yeah, yeah, if, yeah. If anybody engages the book because they're hoping this is the silver bullet that'll be easy, okay, yeah. you you're already on dangerous ground. And right. if I'm trying to decide I don't need structure because I crave independence, that's not right. why anyone should step away or wean off of a meeting is because they right. want independence. It's because mm-hmm. they have learned that they can have interdependence without that structure, but never leave right. the interdependence of those relationships. That's so, it. I mean, you're touching on 
that motive that if you can see that's what you really want is, oh, good, I'm free from needing these people. Okay, you better show up to the meeting. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. I've often said this, that, uh, you know, I said that I wanted uh, to be de- delivered from lust. You know, I said I wanted to overcome, you know, my addiction to porn and prostitutes. But really what I wanted was moral self-sufficiency. I wanted to be able to, to live a moral life all on my own. And that's why I wanted God to fix it uh, without involving anybody else. Um, man, I'm grateful that even today, while I'm, you know, I'm kind of engaged in a rear guard action, it feels like to me, against another unhelpful behavior. It's not a sinful behavior. I'm not racked with guilt over my, uh, over my uh, alcohol consumption. But it is, you know, the, the words of Paul are ringing in my ears. All things are lawful for me, but not all things are helpful. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be mastered by anything. And it seems like I have uh, surrendered some of my freedom uh, and allowed alcohol to have a degree of master, mastery over me that I'm not comfortable with. I'm fighting a rear guard action against it. Uh, and, uh, and I am reconciling myself to the reality that I cannot fight this battle alone. I need brothers in this one as much as I need them in any other, you know, battle of this type that I face. Well, listeners, I hope you're encouraged to uh, write in and engage. Uh, We want to hear your thoughts on all these things. And especially because you are a diverse group of people. Yeah. 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 And by the way, if you're one of those guys who uh, found freedom, you know, I have friends who, you know, they went to AA for years and were never able to stop drinking. And then with the help of something like Annie Grace's book, This Naked Mind, something clicked. Uh, You know, I have a good friend who's now, gosh, I think he just celebrated a year sobriety. And he'd been limping along for a long time. Uh, So uh, we'd love to hear your recovery story, whether it's alcohol, whether it's drugs, whether it's porn, uh, whether it's Scrabble. really doesn't matter. Uh, We'd love to hear. (laughs) And and since this is really about community, what a great reminder for each of us that if you found uh, amazing growth and healing through Scrabble, uh, that we need to stay curious about other guys' journeys that yeah. they are so different. Every, every one of you is so different than me. And instead of just telling you the way it worked for me, I need to cultivate curiosity about what your journey looks like. Boy, that's a really good phrase. Stay curious. Oh, yeah. That's wonderful. Well, Aaron, I think we have reached the end of yet another episode, and we've got some more coming up. Uh, our volunteer, engineer, producer, now, uh, you know, I, I can't say enough for Sean Parks. He's really stepped up, and I'm sure uh, that uh, you have far more appreciation for what he is doing 
than I do even, Aaron, because you've been doing that for years and years and years. You know how many hours Good. it takes to produce an episode of this show. Yeah. Uh, I love I love the fact that you finally asked for help. Did I? And, uh, right. and as soon as you did, somebody stepped up to do it. Yeah. Well, uh, good, so good job. Sean's working. We're, fi- we're, fi- we're filling up the calendar. We've got some good people coming on. Uh, uh, in the meantime, you can reach us on email at piratemonkpodcast at gmail.com. Until next week, I'm Nate. I'm Aaron. And uh, did, did you expect me to close it that quickly, Aaron? Sure. <laughs> <laughs> all right, we haven't, all right. We haven't been their well, pals we, yet on the Pirate Monk Podcast. Okay. Okay, we are your pals on the Pirate Monk Podcast. The Pirate Monk Podcast is produced by members of the Samson Society. Send your feedback or questions to piratemonkpodcast at gmail.com. Please give us a five-star review on iTunes and share the podcast with a friend. For more information, please visit samsonsociety.com.